just lift your hands and worship him. Thank you, Jesus. God, we just worship you. Lord, we bless you. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Father, we thank you. We magnify you. We adore you. We worship and lift you up. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your presence in this place, oh God. Have your way tonight. Move by your spirit as only you can. Speak to each and every one of us. Let nobody leave this place the same. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to say tonight, all that you're going to do. Father, open us up to receive everything that you have to say. Open up our hearts that we may receive your word tonight, our ears, that we may hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. And Father, we just thank you in advance for doing a new thing. And Lord, for we bless you, we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's just give Jesus a praise tonight as we get ready to get into the word of God. Amen. 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 Go ahead and have your seats. Let's get right into the word tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 11. We're going to read verses 10 through 17 there. How you guys doing tonight? Guys, good? All right. Get right into the word. Amen, 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 amen. All right, so Numbers chapter 11, verses 10 through 17. I started on this last week. I'm going to just do kind of a really quick uh, recap. Then we'll get right into the message tonight. But it says there, um, verse 10, and he amplified, it says, Now Moses heard the people weeping and self-pity throughout their families, every man at the doorway of his tent. And it says, And the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses regarded this behavior as evil. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you been so hard on your servant, and why... Have I not found favor in your sight that you have placed the burden of all these people on me? And he goes on to say, was it I who conceived or gave birth to all these people? Was it I who brought them forth that, I, that you should say to me, carry them in your arms as a nurse carries the nursing infant to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give all these people? So they were complaining about there was no food. There was just manna to eat. <laughs> Where am I going to get food to feed all these people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat so that we may eat. <laughs> and he says, I'm not able to carry all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. So if this is the way you are going to deal with me, he says, please kill me at once. If I found favor in your sight and do not let me see my my wretchedness, he says. Accordingly, the Lord said to Moses, gather for me 70 men from among the, the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and their officers, and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them stand there with you. He says, then I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take away some of the spirit who is upon you and will put it upon them. 
and they shall burden, bear the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to bear it alone. So uh, last week we began to talk about the uh, purpose for leadership and ministry. And I mentioned to you that as leaders and future leaders, you know, you have been selected because the burden of ministry is a heavy one, you know. And um, I just put here, you know, is it, you know, people need prayer. They need someone to talk to. They need someone that can give them direction, guidance. You know, there's a lot of work to do in ministry and in the house of God in particularly. And the load has to be equally distributed if it's going to if it's going to last for any sustainable amount of time. You know, it's amazing. Just today I got a call somebody, you know, from uh, our food pantry area. You know, they need food, you know. So I got to tomorrow I want to go by there and uh, make sure people got food. Because how can you hear somebody needs food and you not go over there? You know what I'm saying? So, so it's, it, it's sometimes it's not convenient. You know, I would, I would have to work. I'd rather go home and get some rest. But, you know, how can you go home and rest and eat a plate of food when you know people have nothing to eat? So, you know, the burden of ministry is, is heavy. It's not a light one, you know. And there's always somebody going through and somebody that needs. And um, I put it, that's why what you do is so important. And when you're not in place, it makes the burden of ministry a little heavier. Either way, the work will and has to get done, but the load becomes heavier without you. You know, I was, I, I was speaking uh, to someone today. Someone gave me a call and they were telling me about a dream that they had. And um, one, of, one of the gifts that God has given me is to be able to interpret dreams, you know. So the person, you know, is in another state, goes to another ministry. And they were saying that uh, in the dream, they were, you know, they wound up at their pastor's house. And um, the pastor came home and she said she looked and there was dishes in the sink, dirty dishes in the sink. And the, her thought was, wow, you know, they got, you know, sons, you know, somebody should have washed these dishes, you know. So she began to wash them. And, um, and then she was talking about in the dream, you know, the pastor's husband, he was, he was like disheveled. Like he, um, he said he's always very groomed, you know, like hair and stuff like that, but his hair was really out of place and, you know, beard and stuff like that. And, and um, he was just disheveled, you know, and looked tired. So I was, I was telling her, you know, I said, um, as I was talking to her, God was just revealing, you know, the dream more and more to me, you know. And I said, you know, I said, those dishes in the sink, they were symbolic of work that's undone. That's left for the pastor, you know, because if some, because she's thinking, you know, because just because I said, you're at, you're, you're at the pastor's house. I was like, you know, see, that could be symbolic of the house of God. Those sons or children that you were thinking of that should have washed those dishes can be symbolic of leaders or sons or daughters that's in the house, you know, that should have been doing that work. But now, since that work is undone, now someone else has to do it. And it usually, the burden usually falls on the leader, the, the pastor, the person that's, because we can't leave anything undone. You know, we just can't leave it. 
I walk around here, you know, I see paper on the floor, I just, I pick it up. You know, or if I see this place a mess, I start cleaning up. Um, I, I come here, set the sound equipment. Whatever needs to be done that's undone, I do it. You know, or my wife does it. You know, she's downstairs on Sunday mornings, you know, not just fixing up the children's church, but cleaning bathrooms. You know, because this work is, that work is, is something that's undone right now. So whatever is undone, we do it. So, you know, I was, I was, when I was, you know, just kind of ministering to her, I said, see, I said, and, and God had you do that work so that your pastor didn't have to do it. And so the bottom line is the work has to be done, you know, so nothing's going to be undone. It's going to get done. But the, the load becomes heavier when people are not in place. And that's not a shot against anybody because I think you guys do an amazing job and I think you guys do a great deal of work. I'm just saying for right now, you know, certain people are not in place or we don't have those people that are here yet to do those things. So until that happens, you know, you got to do what you got to do. It is what it is. And, um, and as, you know, so bottom line is after a while, you know, even Moses, <laughs> you know, after being... You know, after having this burden of, of, of leading these people all this time, he was ready for God to just take him out. He was ready to just get out of here. Just like, you know, if you if I found favor in your sight, just take me out. I mean, he was ready to go because this burden became so heavy upon him. You know, can you imagine every day, you know, God do miracle after miracle and every day people complaining about what God hasn't done for them yet. And he's trying to take them somewhere. And he's focused on that destination and they're focused on where they're at. And that's the great, the great burden of, of being a visionary is you being able to see when others can't. You know, you're trying to take someone somewhere and they're, they can't see it. They're focused on what they're going through and not what they're going to. Moses is focused on getting to the promised land, but everybody else is thinking about, we ain't got nothing to eat. We don't have nothing to drink. We don't have this. We don't have that, you know. In Egypt, we had it better, you know, and all that stuff. And Moses is trying to get them to the promised land. So that's one of the great burdens of, of leading and being, and being uh, a visionary and being able to see what others can. So, um... That's what here, you know, that's also why it's very important, you know, for us to begin to definitely point people to God and not become a little God to them. Because, you know, people saw him as a little God. And so because they saw him as that, they, they were constantly complaining to him and murmuring about him. And we need to learn how to point people to God. And I put here, if you try to be someone's God, they will wear you out with requests that they should be making to God themselves. You know, certain things people need to take to God. You know, they want you to do everything for them. You know, it's not no problem praying for somebody. But when, when it becomes, you know, I don't pray for myself. I just, you know, every time I need something, I'm going to call Pastor, you don't pray for me. No, you need to learn how to pray for yourself. You know, you need to learn how to take things to God. You need to learn how to spend time with God. And as a leader, we need to point people to God so that they can learn how to do that. 
and we teach people, you know, that's why I, I spend time teaching you guys, you know, the importance of reading the word of God and the importance of prayer, because we have to learn how to go before God for things. So um, that's what we kind of, you know, we, we, we talked about that last, last week. And then we start talking about some of the qualities that every leader, um, that they must possess. And I'll go over that real quick. And I put here, you know, to be a good leader in ministry, you need several things. First of all, you have to be capable. You have to be available, sustainable, dependable. You got to have the spirit of your leaders and, of course, the willingness to do it. So capability just means this, you know, every, I don't feel like everybody is not necessarily born a leader. Leadership can be taught to a degree, but you have to be first born with a gift to lead. And some people are just meant to follow and there's nothing wrong with that. Therefore, in order to be trained as a leader, you must first have the gift of leadership. You know, in a book I read once, they talk about, see, there's levels of leadership. Some, you know, everybody has some degree or level of leadership but there are higher degrees than others. Some people just have, you know, um, you know, a higher capacity to lead than other people do. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you have to know where you are as far as being a leader is concerned. And, you know, when I start pointing people out, it's because I see that there's uh, leadership on them, you know, and that's why I start reaching out. Because the burden, of course, is, is, is great and we need leaders. We need people that have that strong leadership ability to be able to step to the front and begin to lead. So you have to be capable. You know, you have to be capable of leading. You can't give a leadership, uh, you can't give authority to someone that doesn't have the capacity. Because if they don't have it, then they'll mess stuff up. Not because they're bad people, just because they don't have that, that gift, that ability. And so that's number one, you gotta be capable. Number two is you have to be available. Because just because you're capable of leading doesn't mean that you're available to do so. And some people have jobs, they have family that conflicts with the time that they're needed to be here. And so you can be fully capable, have very high leadership ability and capability, but if you don't have the availability, then you know it, it doesn't work here. You gotta be available, you gotta be here when you know we need stuff done. So you can be capable and not available. And then one thing I add to this is the great challenge is that some people are capable of leading but not available, while others are available but not capable. <laughs> the key is to find someone that is both capable and available, right? And I know that everybody here is, is capable and that's why you're here. But only you can tell me if you're available. And that's just how it is, right? And that's based upon your current responsibilities and what you have to do right now. And so that's number two. So number one is being capable, then available. And then number three is being sustainable. And this means to be able to maintain this at a certain level for an extended period of time. Some people are capable and available for a season. They don't have anything to do right now or anything going on in their life at the moment. 
like a job or other responsibilities. Um, so they give it, so some people they give it all they got while they while they have the time to do it until something happens, right? And that's you know people find a job or you know they get a promotion or the demands are put on them and they make a decision to do that instead of do this, you know. But the bottom line is we need sustainable leaders here. We need people that's going to make a decision that they're going to do the work of God. And ones that don't allow their life to conflict with what God has called them to do. You know, bottom line is if God called you to do something, you need to do it. But only you can make that decision. You know, God will not force you to do anything. You know, he'll put it out there, you know. And I, I mentioned this last week, but, you know, I've, I've always made it a point, even when I was serving in ministry and the love of Jesus in Orange, I made, I, I made it a point to, to serve. That was when I got in ministry, I was in. And I remember, I never forget it, when I first really, really, really started walking with God, I was coming to church, you know, on Sundays, mornings, and then Sunday nights sometimes, and then Wednesday night sometimes, you know. But when I thought about getting into ministry, and I started serving as, uh, you know, I was doing I was doing choir, and I was playing in the band. I was playing piano in the band. And right before I got in, God spoke to me and said, "Okay, if you decide to do this, then that means you got to be here." So Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights. Sunday nights, you got to be here. And it gave me an opportunity to make that decision before I jumped in. And see, that's something that you have to think about. What are the requirements to do what I'm doing in ministry? And can I, can I commit myself to that? Because for me, once I commit myself to do something, I'm in. You know, I'm going to do everything I can do to be there when I'm supposed to be there. That's just, you know, how I am with it. So when... When uh, I was working and they started saying, well, we need you to work on Wednesday nights. I said, well, I can't do that because I have to be in service on Wednesday night. I remember I was working for Prudential. I was working a night shift. I was working from 12 to 8. And they paid me more money to do so. 10% like increase to work from 12 to 8. 10%, 20%, something like that. So I said, well, I can do that every day, but Wednesday I can't. So they made the adjustment for me and allowed me to leave at 6 o'clock on Wednesdays because church started at 730. I was able to come down the hill leisurely and get to church. But I made it my business that if I'm, I'm committed to doing this, so I, so I did it. And I wasn't going to let nothing stop me from doing not no job, nothing. So, you know, but that's the, you know, that's the type of commitment that you have to have if you're going to do something for God. If not, don't do it. So you gotta be sustainable, and then um, four, you gotta be you gotta be dependable. That's what if you're gonna lead, you have to be able to be counted on. Again, when you're not in place, the load becomes heavier on everyone else. And the bottom line is, if you say you're gonna do something, do it. If you commit to being somewhere, be there and be there on time. And being dependable is not always comfortable. Because you have to be here when you don't feel like being here. And I have news for you, I don't always feel like being here. <laughs> Contrary to belief, <laughs> I don't always feel like being here. You know what I'm saying? I'm committed to being here. 
but I don't always feel like it. Sometimes I just want to lay down. Sometimes, you know, after I get off work, I always want to go home and stay in, you know, and just get in bed and stay in the bed. You know, it's cold outside, you know, I'm tired. You know, worked all day too, you know. I'm not, I'm not a pastor that's sitting home all day with my feet up waiting for service at night. I'm working all day, you know. So, yeah, you know, sometimes I want to go home, you know. So, uh, but I've committed myself to being here. When I don't feel like it, I'm here, you know. If I get a little... If I get a little sick, I'm here. You know, I, I, for those of you who've been here for a while, you, you can count on one hand how many times I've not been here. And if, and if I wasn't here, it was, it, was a real, it was a real reason. Like not, oh, I just didn't feel like going tonight. It wasn't because of that. You know, or, you know, I, I, got, I got something I feel like doing other than this. No, it, it's not that. If, if I'm not here, there's a real reason I'm not here. So, you know, I put here, you know, bottom line is I'm, I'm here. I'm here on time. No matter who shows up or doesn't show up. And no matter how many people show up, I'm going to be here because I've, I'm dependable. And I'm not saying that the boast. I'm saying that because as your leader, my job is to be an example to you. And the same goes for you as leaders as leaders in this ministry your job is to be the example to other because people are going to do what, you, what they see you do you know if they see you just come in when you feel like it or you know don't come when you don't feel like it then you know that that will become the culture of the place you know i made i made it a point that i'm i'm, a, I'm gonna be the example my wife's gonna be the, we're gonna be the example here i'm gonna be here i'm gonna be here on time i'm, I'm ready to rock and again, not to boast, but because I know that I have to be the example. So that's number four. So again, got to be capable, available, sustainable, dependable. And then, you know, it's very important to have the spirit of the, of the leaders in the house. So um, if you're going to lead here, you got to have, you know, my wife and my, my spirit. And as you saw in the scriptures, God came down and took the spirit that was on Moses and he put it on the people that he established as leaders. You know, he put that he put that spirit on them. And the purpose was so that they could flow like Moses flowed and be his personal representatives before the people. As leaders here, you must flow the way we flow in ministry. And you can't you can't, you know, be here doing your own thing. You got to learn how to do our thing. You know what I'm saying? Now you can do it your way, but you got to do our thing. You know, in other words, your personality, you shouldn't, shouldn't become a carbon copy of who we are. Your personality should shine through, but you shouldn't be here doing your own thing. In other words, if I'm not nasty to people, you shouldn't be. You know, if I, if I don't dismiss people and stuff like that, then you shouldn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you got to have the spirit of the house. And just to clarify, the spirit of this house is a spirit of service. That's, that's the spirit that's on this house. Our people, you can tell who our, our sons and our daughters are here because they just serve. You know, if you get into an atmosphere, you just begin to serve. You don't have to be asked to serve, you just serve. Because that's what the spirit of the house is. It's a service uh, spirit. And uh, my wife and I are servant leaders. And to lead here, you must also be a servant. 
And then the other spirit uh, that we operate under is definitely, if we're going to do something, we're going to do it right. It's the spirit of excellence, no question. And um, we're not just going to slap something together and just kind of get it done. You know, if we're going to do something, we're going we're gonna to take it to the, as far as we can take it. As far as our money can stretch, that's where we're going to go. You know, we put on, we put on an anniversary. It's going to be, it's going to be the nicest thing that you've seen for the money we've got. No question about it. We're going to do our best to make it awesome. We're not just going to slap it together and say, hey, we had something. You know, so you have to flow in the spirit of excellence if you're going to be a leader here. And then finally, number six is willingness. Um, this almost goes without saying, but you must be willing to make the commitment to be a leader. And uh, I said this last week, I'm not ask, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm not telling you. And uh, if you don't want to receive this or assume this responsibility, it's completely entirely up to you. And you just say so. And we love you anyway. You know what I'm saying? We, we, anybody that decides they don't want to lead, that's fine. We love you. But you have to be willing to do that, right? So this week, I want to kind of just get into real quick, and then I'll close. What does leadership mean in this house now that we've gone through all of that, right? What is, now, what does that mean to be a leader here? You heard about the qualifications, but now what does that mean in terms of being a leader here? So number one is, uh, is being the go-to people in ministry. Um, being my wife and my representatives to people in ministry. You know what I'm saying? Being go-to people. Number two, being the ultimate example in the ministry. Living a life that's acceptable to God in and out of the church. You know, and um, you don't just represent the ministry while you're here. You do it also when you're outside of here. Because if anybody sees you doing something outside of here, they connect it to what you're learning here. You ever heard somebody say, man, I wonder what they're teaching them in that church. You see how they act. See, they, they, they directly, you know, I, I, all I can do is teach it. I can't make you live it. But they could directly connect what you're learning with what you're doing. You're out there getting crazy. I'm like, well, what are they learning in that church? What kind of crazy church they going to? They don't they acting like that. So you got to remember, you know, you're, you, you represent God first. You represent yourself, your family, you represent, but you represent the ministry as well. You know, you represent this place. So you have to be a good representative. You got to be an example in and out of the church. Um, you know, definitely be in the service on time, being early, being ready to go when it's time, having everything set up in your ministry, everything ready to go when, when service starts. You know, not, not kind of strolling in and trying to get things together. That's slapping it together. And again, we talked about being having a spirit of excellence. Having a spirit of excellence is being prepared. You know, having things ready to go before it starts. And um, definitely praying daily for the ministry. You know, I say you should get involved with, find out what our prayer targets are. You know, we have a prayer target list. Things that we're praying for on a, on a regular basis. And, um, you know, we have prayer uh, lines. You know, my wife does a prayer line on, uh, on um, Friday mornings. 
And um, Elder Latoya does one on Wednesday nights, right? So get involved in that. You know, and get the prayer target list and begin to make that a part of your prayer routine. You know, get into an agreement with us with what's happening in the house. You know, praying for the ministry. And then um, assisting with the church's growth, you know, through evangelism or, you know, especially when we get to the new place, evangelism, working the call uh, center or quantifying the data, you know, all those areas, you know, we want to begin to reach out to people and start getting people to come to the, to the ministry. And that should be a part of what you're doing, assisting with the church's growth as a leader. And then, um, you know, eventually running services in my presence and absence. Because I'm going to be taking some vacations. Me and my wife, we're going to be out of here. And it's going to be on you to uh, run the ministry. And um, most of you guys are very capable of, of of handling that now you know what you know what to do I guess my to preach you know what to do and then eventually y'all guys gonna be preaching <laughs> I won't have to call nobody because you guys will be preaching but um you know and then defending this ministry you know uh, me and my wife you know defending this ministry and don't let people talk bad about the ministry you know, people start talking junk about the ministry, talking junk about us. You'd be like, oh, wait a second. Can't nobody talk to me bad about Pastor Jason right now. Like, oh, wait a second. That's my spiritual father, man. Watch, you got to watch that. Can't be talking about my, my, my dad like that. You know what I'm saying? We got to cover, you know, you know, our leaders. We have to. And people talk junk, you know, and you got you to gotta stop them from talking that mess. Friends or not. You know, they can still be your friends, but you can't let them talk like that. You know, you got to cut that stuff. And you're not just doing it for us, you're doing it for them. Because, you know, the Bible is to touch my, my anointing and do my prophet no harm. People start talking about leadership, you know, like, you know, like dog and stuff like that. And, you know, they incur, you know, the wrath of God on them. So you cover them by stopping them doing that stuff. And then, you know, meeting with, you know, meeting to come up with ideas to improve and to grow the ministry. You guys should, you guys should be thinking about what we can do to make the ministry better. You know what I'm saying? Um, you may look at it now and say, you know, we should do this. We should do that. Well, that's great that you're thinking that. But until you say that, you know, because at the end of the day, we can't, we can't figure everything out. You know, we can't make every decision and you do everything in this place. Somebody got to give us suggestions. You know, we, we, we're open to it. I don't think you've ever experienced us saying, you know, well, you don't come to me with that. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you got an idea, we're open to it. You know, you, you, there's no way you could feel like you'll be shunned if you, if you come up with a suggestion. You know, if, it's, if, if it works, I'll take it to prayer. And if it works, then we'll do it. You know? And, and that's, that's just the way it is. And um, as put here, you know, you'll be the ones to connect with newcomers in the church and begin to bond with them and make sure that they feel welcome and at home, you know, and begin to disciple people. And then finally, make sure that things don't fall apart because one person's not here. You need to know where everything is and what everyone does and be able to cover one another 
in each other's absence. You know, that's what leadership is about. When I first, when I, when I was, when I was over there serving in LOJ, I knew where everything was. I know I'd do everything in there. That's how I learned how I worked sound equipment so good. I learned how to do everything. Turn on every light, open the doors, you know, change the mics, everything. I was, I, I, I just learned it because if somebody's late, we can't, you know, the show got to still keep going. I mean, every, we got to still rock even though somebody's not here. Or if they're late, we still got to, we got, we still got to keep it moving. So you need to learn how to work everything. Start learning, you learn your position, but then you learn others, others' position as well. Just to make sure things don't fall apart. And um, I'm gonna get ready to close, but next week what I'm gonna do, and I, I'll give you a little taste of it, but next week what I'm gonna do is I wanna give you seven qualities of great leaders in the Bible. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you this one tonight and then I'm going to pick up on it. But number one, I put here the, the meekness of Moses. And this is so important. Numbers chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 1 through 16. I'm going to do this and I'm going to close right here. Numbers 12, uh, verse 1. It says, Now Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he married. For he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord really spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken also through us? And the Bible says, and the Lord heard it. And then I love the way the Bible puts this because it just kind of, you know, just kind of gives you just a little highlight of the type of man that Moses was. It says, now the man Moses was very meek. And he amplified, it says, and humble, gentle, kind, devoid of self-righteousness. It says, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. It's just like for that brief moment, it said, God heard it. And then it said, and then it talks about the character of Moses. And then it says, suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of clouds, stood at the door of the tabernacle, and he called Aaron and Miriam, and they came forward. And he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision, and I will speak to him in a dream. See, now when, when he said, if, if, if you're a prophet, this is how I talk to you. A vision or a dream. He said, but it's not so with my servant Moses. He is entrusted and faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth directly, clearly and openly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. And then he says, why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? He said, now, if there's a prophet among you, you know, I'll give you a dream. You get a vision or something like that. But I'm sitting down face to face talking to Moses. I mean, this is, the, you know, he's not like a regular prophet. I mean, I, he's, he, he sees my form. 
and I speak to him directly. I don't give him no riddles. You know, I don't give him no, no, no. I speak to him very clearly. And it says, and why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And it says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Miriam and Aaron. And he departed. But when the cloud had withdrawn from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous as white as snow. And Aaron turned and looked at Miriam and behold, she was leprous. Then Aaron said to Moses, oh, my Lord, I plead with you. Do not account this sin to us in which we have acted foolishly and in which we have sinned. Oh, do not let her be like one dead already half decomposed when he comes from his mother's womb. It says, so Moses cried out to the Lord saying, heal her, please, O God, I plead with you. But the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, will she not bear her shame for seven days? Let her be shut up outside the camp for seven days and afterwards she may return. So Miriam was shut up outside the camp for seven days and the people did not move on until Miriam was brought in again and declared ceremonially, ceremonially clean from her leprosy. Now, let me first say this. What you need to understand about weakness is that meekness does not mean weakness. Being meek means to have self-control and to not exercise power that you do have, even though you can. See, the thing about Moses was that when, when, when Aaron and Miriam started talking about him, he didn't defend himself. So much so that the Bible has to say, now this man, Moses, was very meek. More meek than any man on the face of the earth. And because he was, when God heard it, it ticked him off. And he defended Moses because he knew Moses would never defend himself. So he came down personally and had a conversation with Aaron and Miriam for what they were saying about him. And as put here, you know, a good leader must have this quality. Moses was so meek that he wouldn't defend himself. So God came down and personally defended him and let Aaron and Aaron and Miriam know that they should be afraid to speak about a man like Moses. And I put here, if you let God fight your battles, you'll never have to. You may be able to handle a situation, but at what cost? See, Moses understood that. And he had authority. You think about it. God says to Moses, he says, look, leave me alone. And I'm going to take out everybody. I mean, he's going to kill every, every, he's talking about a million people. <laughs> Over a million people. He said, I'm going to take them all, all out. And he said, I'm going to make a nation out of you. And Moses falls down on his face and intercedes for them and says, God, you know, you can't do that. You know, if you do that, then the people are going to say you couldn't bring these people that you brought out of Egypt into the promised land and all this stuff, you know. And then God listened to him and then take all those people out. Now, he's same people as murmuring, same people as complaining to him, talking about him like a dog and stuff like that, you know. And here he is falling on his face. Do you know that Moses fasted 40 days, two times? No food, no water, 40 days. 
First, he goes up to the, to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, and he fasts 40 days. He comes down. God tells him, go down there because they're worshiping this golden calf. He comes down there. He smashes this law, you know, and he rebukes them for worshiping this golden calf. And then he has to go back up and plead to God on their behalf. And he fasts another 40 days. I mean, you're talking about, you know, a man that had serious authority and serious power with God. But he had it under control. He didn't take it to the point where he lashed out on the people. So that's, I mean, that's, that's a, a trait that as a leader we have to learn to, to cultivate. Being meek. Not weak, but being meek. And controlling the power and authority that we have as leaders. So there, I'm going to close right there. I'm going to stop right there. Yep, 9.05, pretty good. <laughs> I'm going to close right there. But just lift your hands to Jesus. And I'm going to go over some other people next week. We'll finish this. But Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Father, for your word tonight. We thank you, Father, for speaking to us. I thank you for these beautiful leaders that are here, to those that will listen on podcast. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you really pour these leadership qualities on the inside of them. That those that are called to lead here, that they will accept the call. And that they will allow themselves to be used for your glory and for your honor. To be a blessing to you, to this house to myself, my wife, this ministry. And as they begin to enter into a life of service, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you loose your blessing on your people and that you will cause them to prosper in their endeavors. Because if the house of God, we take care of the house of God, you have promised. You told David that because he had a heart to build you a house that you would build him a sure house and I loose that on your people today as they have and make the commitment to serving in your house I'm believing that you'll make them a sure house and that you'll bless their house and Father for we thank you we bless you God we give you all the praise the glory we give you honor in Jesus mighty name Amen Amen, amen. Come on, let's just give Jesus a praise as we close.